Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and today I'm joined by the other co-hosts. We have Brendan McCullough, we have Whitney Nelson, and we have a special guest today. We have Matt Owen from the Super Gamecast 64 podcast. How's everybody doing? Hello, hello. I'm doing I'm doing good. Yeah, I didn't want to talk first, because I feel like I'll be talking over everyone else. <laughs> nope, that's the thing. I always put people in an awkward position right off the bat. Uh, how about you, Brent? Hell yeah. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's pretty I showed accurate. Up today. Yeah, I exist. I continue to... Uh, nope. Yeah, I won't go it's, there. That's okay. <laughs> no, all right. It's all right. I feel you. I'm going to start off dark. I did have... So- like, I was driving home. I did have someone offer to fix my car at the stoplight. Like, he pulled up next to me. He was like, your car's crashed. I have an auto body shop. Let me fix it. I'm like, no. He's like, no, I give you a deal. I was like, that's okay. I'm good. He's like, oh, no, I give you. I just, like, rolled my window up slowly. That was was the first time that happened. Some random dude just like, hey, your car, eh, it's not the best it could be. Why don't you just come over to my sleazy garage? I won't rob you or anything, 100%. That's the thing. His car was much shittier. His car was awful. (laughs) So I was like, why would I believe you? It's like not trusting a skinny chef, dude. Come on. Yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. Present yourself well. I just picture that guy just walking around everywhere with like a wrench. He's like, no, I'll really, I'll fix things. <laughs> no, um, no, trust me. Yeah, I'm good for it. <laughs> but that's the thing. We do have a guest today. It's Matt Owen. Uh, you have your own podcast, and I'm eager to maybe pitch it to our listeners. Uh, what's your podcast all about? Like, when did you get started? What inspired you to get into podcasting? Oh, man, it's such a story. So way back in the day... Uh, when I was 15. I'm going on 28 now. I just turned 27. Uh, the podcasts had just become kind of a thing. This was like pre-serial era when podcasts really blew up. So I thought I would hang a rock band USB microphone from my <laughs> ceiling fan. And me and my other 15 and 16 year old friends would just chat about Xbox. It was originally an Xbox podcast, but as we lost some co-hosts and the show evolved over time, we decided to make it multi-platform and just gaming in general. And we decided to kind of go for a comedy spin. We normally were always like kind of comedic, but coming out and being like, no, we're a comedy slash video game podcast. So it kind of devolved into this. I've heard people compare it to like sitting around your buddies uh, at a campfire talking about games and what you've been playing or just like casual conversations. So so we generally just kind of go over, you know, new stuff that's been happening in the industry, if there's anything super specific. The games we've been playing, we'll have a few fun segments if they apply. Uh, but generally speaking, it's it's a, a, a raunchy good time with uh, three dudes in a room, usually three dudes, sometimes more, sometimes less, talking about games and generally making an ass of themselves on the internet. That's like the through line. The other portion is that I've been doing the show for, like I said, over 10 years, and we're only at like episode 104. <laughs> yeah, 100, 100, 104 should be releasing soon. So there's been like two or three year hiatuses. So you can consider Super Gamecast 64, which is the name of my show, by the way. It's kind of like, it's my baby, you know? So it'll always just be this kind of silly little gaming show that I like to do. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's a fun time. It's very uh- low key. That's freaking awesome, man. And it sounds like very up our listeners alley if they like our show, because it's just like very similar kind of concept with casual game and comedy, like uh, content and stuff. But yeah, you mentioned over 10 years and putting out like 100, uh, 104 episodes, uh, you oh, break your podcast into seasons. Like, so what season are you currently at? And how does that work? Is it more or less just like when life gets busy, you guys take a few months off? So it's we're on season four. And the way I like to look at it is, uh, 
you know, you guys know how it is. You go back after you've recorded like 10 episodes of a podcast or 20 episodes of a podcast and uh, and your first few episodes are utter garbage. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Super. Uh-huh. You are just like, wow, this is really bad. Yep. So um, we, we use a certain hosting service and eventually they only allow you to have so many episodes on that feed before they're like, hey, give us more money. So eventually when we moved the uh, the podcast over from what we called, it was originally everything xbox uh podcast when we changed it over we didn't want to lose the fact that we had done those previous like 50 episodes so we changed the name and we said we're going to start this fresh off and uh we're going to start with season three and the way i looked at the seasons was kind of like the main cast without going into the whole history of the show it started off with a a specific co-host who then fell off the show there was a new co-host some other people came in so the cast of the show has switched so i like to think as the the early major cast switch ups for the hosts that's like season one and two and then how we do it now is it's just generally every year uh, a new season ends pretty much with the game of the year stuff that we do in january and then we give ourselves a few months break uh between february and march to just kind of decompress and do the stuff that we wanted to do during the holidays that we didn't get the time to and then we start up with a new season so really it's it sounds like it's something that i planned out but it's, it's something that i didn't at all and it was just like hey we should have some sort of structure to it Hey, peeking behind the curtain there, but yeah, totally, yeah. very cool. Um, and I was just gonna say, um, is there like a favorite episode of yours that comes to mind that you can maybe point some of our new <laughs> listeners to? The show's like my baby, which is your favorite. <laughs> which, well, and that's the thing is, is as a comedy slash gaming podcast, uh, sometimes we really lean heavy on the comedy. Sometimes we really lean heavy on the info. So for from a listener standpoint, it's kind of up to what you want out of the show. Uh, I would say episode 64 is a good episode. Uh, since it was episode 64, we did a special and called it the Super Nostalgia Special or something like that. So each of the co-hosts or each of the hosts, myself included, we talked about our uh, favorite console of all time and then listed our 10 favorite games from them. And I scored the whole thing with music from the games. So if you're looking for like a nostalgia kind of thing, episode 64, uh, if you're looking for like actual gaming talk, either our either of the game of the year shows that we do, we do like two or three each year. Uh, those are really good if you want to hear what we think about actual games. And then as far as just like garbage comedy stuff that is just pure <laughs> vomit if you're into that there's one oh man what's it called lego my ego jack sparrow that's a pretty mm. decent one mm. um uh girls sleeping party that's a good it's oh, it's kind of just that, take mm. it take it and leave it uh it, it depends on your what kind of comedy you like but like i said yeah the uh, e3 episodes are good for content um info and the the nostalgia episode is a good one to start with when in doubt just start with like the newest one because everything is super topical on on our show so if you go back like 15 episodes we'll be talking about whatever came out in you know uh january and it's not super topical totally that makes perfect sense to me and yeah we have some very shameful episode titles and uh imagery for our show i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we can definitely relate with that but no it sounds like you got a really cool podcast and i definitely want some of our listeners to go give it a chance um and we're grateful to have you on our show tonight and that's the thing with our show we kind of go around the table uh each host tells about what games they've been playing lately so let's start with you since you're our guest what have you been playing these days Oh boy, I have been playing so many things. I I recently got a Nintendo Switch. Um, It was the only console that I didn't have out of the three quote modern consoles. 
And there's actually an interesting story behind how I won that. Um, oh, won you that. won it? Got Ooh. it. So there was a arcade that just opened up near my house. I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, there is a arcade called Round One. Ooh, um, think of it like Dave and Buster's, but with a bigger focus on Japanese import games like uh, rhythm games, you know, your latest DDRs, all that stuff. Uh, so I, I set out to kind of see, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but there's these people who literally go to Dave and Buster's and using their inherent skill at games, come away profiting uh, by getting the tickets and then selling those products on the internet. It's a very small niche of people. There's a subreddit you can check out if you're interested. It's r slash Dave and Busters, I think. But I, I was like interested in, oh, you know, how, how do you get the most tickets? Blah, blah, blah. Found out I was like really good at this Pac-Man and the Space Invaders game and also this Crossy Road game, which is like, it is a mobile game, but then they made it into an arcade game. Yeah. Long, long story short, I ended up spending like $400, which is definitely <laughs> oh. too much. Like maybe 150 bucks to learn how to get all, you know, be good at all the games. But I won the Switch from the arcade. So in in long, I've been playing a ton yeah. of arcade in games. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Yes. Um, a lot of cool rhythm games. There's one called Musica by Konami that I've been trying out. Just a lot of new stuff, a lot of new Japanese import stuff. Uh, there's like a Luigi's Mansion light gun game, and I'm a huge fan of Luigi's Mansion. Uh, so I've been playing that um, up at the arcade. Console-wise, since I just got the Switch, I've been playing Golf Story, Goragoa, Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition, um, oh god, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, Splatoon 2, and what was the other one I got? Oh, it's a lot of games. Um, I, I do video game reviews primarily, like that's my quote day job, so I play an obscene amount of games. I guess most recently... It would be Detroit Become Human, the newest Quantic Dream game. I just finished that up uh, last night. And besides that, Omen Sight. And Sega Genesis Classics. But depending on when this episode comes out, I can't talk about that yet. <laughs> Interesting. Um, embargoes and what stuff. What is this Omen Sight? I'm not sure I've heard of that. So, yeah, I'm glad you asked me about Omen Sight. Because Omen Sight was uh, a game that... I was offered to review and I looked at the trailer and it just kind of looked like this hack and slashy thing, but they promised this whole murder mystery, which is interesting. You know, they're like, hey, it's a story about this priestess who was murdered and you, you got to solve the mystery. But I was confused because it was a third person action game. So I didn't know how much actual uh, mystery solving there would be. But it's it's a it's a 15 to 20 dollar game. I'm pretty sure it's 20. You can get on yep. PS4 and PC. Uh, but what it is, is. Hmm. There's this world, or there's this region. <laughs> Sorry, I, like I like to explain it because this game is really cool in the, its mechanics. But there's this region; it's war torn. Everyone's fighting. There's like this emperor who wants to conquer everything, and your character shows up, and you're the harbinger of death. You have no side in the fight. Your only reason for being there is to prevent the end of the world. Uh, once you play through the first stage, a giant serpent breaks through the world and destroys all of it. And as the Harbinger, when important characters die in front of you, you form a bond with them. And then you can return to the beginning of the day, like Majora's Mask style, and experience their day by their side, learning new information about, you know, who could have been the murderer of this priestess. And then by using that information, you can then replay the day with other people, influence their decisions, and kind of, you know, start to make these branching paths that uh, affect the overall narrative. Basically, it's a hack and slash with a really cool time travel mechanic wrapped up in like this fantastical world where it's all, 
it's like cutesy. There's like the Rodentians, which are just a bunch of like mice. Yeah. And then there's like, yeah. I'm looking at it now and the art style is totally up my alley. I just feel like I am in love with the art style. But yeah, I'd, I'd be interested. How long do you know how long of a like gameplay experience this is? I'll tell you, it's probably like six to eight hours, but that last portion of the game makes it feel like 12. I won't lie, like <laughs> it, it, it drags towards the end. But the thing that's really impressive, Doug, is that graphical art style. Uh, for those who don't have a picture in front of you, if you've ever played The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker uh, and or seen the PS4 exclusive game Bound, it's yes. like if those two games had a baby nice. and then it went through time travel, that is this game. Well, that is that how this game looks. It's it's gorgeous at points, very super stylized, some cell shading, but great use of color. So that kind of really cool look kind of propels you through the game, even when the combat can get a bit repetitive. But yeah, it's it's a cool thing. I just don't think a lot of people are going to think about it or even buy it because the marketing doesn't do a good job of showing off the coolest parts of that game, which is the time travel stuff. Yeah, this looks right up my alley. I'm glad you mentioned it. And I'm surprised I hadn't heard of this. This oh, I'm very excited to try this. If you if you like hack and slashes, it's it's pretty much just super basic. There's not an over amount of like RPG mechanics. It's simply like beat up some dudes, use abilities, and just go on this cool adventure. It's it's really fun. Yeah, nice. We briefly mentioned it uh, last week um, because it's made by Spearhead Games, who also mm-hmm. did Story: A Path of Destinies, which those uh those two games actually take place both Omen Sight and Stories. They take place in the same universe, which I learned from a tooltip on a loading screen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, I remember you mentioning the other one, Brent. Yep. Yeah, because that game was free when Omen Sight came out, or like before Omen Sight came out, kind of like to hype people up. Like, hey, if you like this one, here's our next Try game that's going to be pretty similar. And I haven't played Stories yet, but I've, I've seen gameplay and I look forward to playing it. But I haven't gotten my hands on it quite yet. Everyone should definitely check out Omen Sight. If if anything, just you know, look up some video of it. it. It's a kind of, it's kind of like those old PS2 genre games where it was just beat 'em up and you know hack and slash action to fill the gameplay. But they do it in a good way. I was pleasantly surprised. I went in with low expectations, and I end up giving it a seven out of ten uh, when I reviewed it. Oh, nice. So it's pretty it's pretty good, especially Sweet. for twenty dollars. And uh, oh yeah, story about the destiny is the other game is like fifteen. So yeah, there's there's a good amount of content for what you're paying, and the content is good. I mean, it drags a little bit in the end, but I mean, twenty bucks is what you pay for a movie nowadays. If you're okay oh with like God. a few extra hours of like repetitive content, then that's a that's a deal, dude. All right, yeah, I'm, I'm sold on this. It's definitely something listeners are going to mm-hmm. be hearing more about. <laughs> yeah, not to get on my soapbox, but I'm out here in LA and at an AMC on like a Saturday night for just a shitty movie, like a regular movie, no 3D or any bullshit, is like. $17 and it's Oof. outrageous that you would have to Oof. pay that amount I'm so I, mad uh, I do I do freelance like I said I, I'm a video game like journalist uh, for, for my, my day job but I also do movie reviews and it is it is stunning to me how how some of these clients just imagine that movie tickets are like three cents because they'll be like, hey, why don't you go see Infinity War and write me a 500 word review? I'll pay you four dollars. And I'm like, <laughs> in in what world am, am I paying you to write about Marvel? Like, yeah. It's, yeah, I've seen the prices go up over here, too. In, in Cleveland, it went it used to be like nine bucks. Now it's closer to 12, 13. I, I don't know what's going on, but got to get that money somehow, I guess. Spending all those millions on CGI. Hey. <laughs> so aggravating and the idea that the movie theaters don't actually make really any money off of the tickets themselves they make all the money from oh, the no. concession stands they're essentially renting the movie from the studio 100 and it just goes back to the studio so it's just like 
just ah, uh, like it doesn't need to be this expensive. The theater's not even getting this. Like I'd feel better if it was paying for the theater to clean it up or something. But, uh, <laughs> well, and at this a small sidebar, I filmed a short film at the movie theater that I frequent, and so I've seen all these things and I know how all of it works. And what blows my mind is that ticket prices have gone up, but distribution actually goes down because before you'd have to ship these physical reels to film uh, to theaters. You have to have you have to hire projectionists to play them, so you have all this upkeep now. They literally send uh, just hard drives that are uh, oh, yeah. have codes, and all they do is put in the code at midnight, and then it's accessible. But it's just raw data on like a terabyte hard drive. There, there's no physical shipment besides the hard drive itself. So I, I don't know. It's just the growing price of making movies, I guess. I work at a, a media company, and like I think this month we just we finally cut it off with our last client, saying like we don't do physical media anymore at all. Like just. Yeah. It's like, oh, can you, we send you like some tapes or like DVDs or something? It's like, nope, fuck off, go somewhere else. Like, we don't. It's going right in the dumpster. Yeah. <laughs> and at this point, like, if anyone does want to do physical media, like, we have one client trying to do that. No one knows how. Like, we don't have any like procedures for doing that because no one's done it in so long at our company. It's a digital future, so y'all should uh, make like Keanu Reeves <laughs> and jack in, guys. It's gonna get wild. Yeah, pretty much. But that's the thing. I'm still like on the trend of like, I buy vinyl records. I know uh, we had Nick Weiger of the Doughboys on our show at one point, And Doughboys ah, is fun. one of my favorite sh- uh, podcasts like that I listen to. And they had a guest on there that this guy's name's Bugman, And he's trying to start his own oh, cult. And he follows us. And it's really weird shit. And the only reason <laughs> I bring it up is because he uh, really, he has his own like kind of Twitch stream where like he'll like really late at night stream some really bizarre shit. And he ends up recording that on physical VHS tapes and then puts them up on eBay and stuff. And it's like, I don't know, people buy them and it's absolutely insane that I feel like, do you even have a VHS player to even enjoy this media? And what the hell is he putting on there? It's really weird. I shouldn't be promoting Bugman, but he follows us. So shout out to Bugman. That's what I'm saying. Bugman, I see what you're doing. You're selling these you're selling these naughty home clips Pretty of yourself much. hidden in VHS tapes. Like, hey, check out this Halo 2 match. I got a double kill. And then it's just like a dude jerking off. And uh, this is all not what I ordered. It's got at all. 100% satisfaction guarantee, though. So. Oh, I'm sure he satisfies his clientele. I am sure, Bugman. With a name like that, you got to be in a lane, you know? Totally. So, um, so yeah, that was a real weird sidebar. But that sounds like you have a quite an interesting selection of games you've been playing. And, yeah, I guess as a review, or does it take any fun out of the passion of playing games or like watching movies or like do you have to ever play games that you like really don't enjoy and it feels like a grind uh yes on everything (laughs) of i worked at gamestop for like seven years before i said fuck it and became a actual video game writer oh so you're dead inside oh for those who don't know at gamestop you're allowed to check out a game uh for like four days at a time also hot takes on gamestop uh don't buy the new game if it's open regardless of what they tell you because they allow their employees to check out new games play them and then they just put them back and sell them as new i fucking hate gamestop so i'll (laughs) I'll rip on them all day but if it's if it's open don't buy it because there's a high probability that someone has played it like if the new call of duty game comes out and someone in the store wants to play it they take that copy that they have behind the desk and they're like, hey, take this home. And then you turn around and sell it to a customer for sixty four nineteen the next day. It's kind of it's disgusting. But so GameStop, you know, ruined everything about video games for me. <laughs> and then as I became a video game journalist, uh, I started getting to kind of pick and choose. I'm in a nice spot where I can kind of say what I want to play. Uh, I get, uh, you know, a decent amount of codes from developers and stuff. So it's not as bad as it sounds. But there's definitely been some times where, you know, you're starting up a game, just something like Omen Sight. You know, you're you're in it for the long 
long haul. So if you don't like it immediately, you got about 12, 10 hours of something that you might not like. So jumping into anything, it's, it's kind of, you know, there's the ones you'll like, but there's plenty of indie games, mobile games, and all that stuff comes with its own set of weird stuff. Like, do you want to cut the developer a break? Are you going to be brutally honest? It's, it's, and there's a lot of things you have to consider when you're playing a game. Movies, not so much. I can still sit back with movies and kind of absorb it because inherently movies are a passive experience. But when you're playing a game and you're trying to be uh, analytical about it, it can, yeah, it can kind of take the fun out of it. Yeah. But I still have a few games that I kind of sit back with and relax, like Rocket League. I'll continue to play because there's Hell no yes. progression. You know, there's, I'm not, I'm or not, there's no progression in the game, but there's, I'm not going to write a piece about it. I'm not going to beat the game and then review it. It's just pure, like, you know, fun. League of Legends is something I do too, but oh, God. Uh, we won't talk. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I don't even want to start that Addicting conversation. Addicting ones. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very nice. Um, but okay, that's a fantastic list. How about Whitney? What have you been playing these days? Um, so since we last talked, I finished God of War. Um, not, Yay. not completionist style. I finished the story. Uh, I actually just went on a first date this week and we spent about half of the first date, uh, talking about being a video game completionist versus not being a completionist, um, which I thought was really funny. Totally. No, that's a great conversation. Yeah. Um, cause he was definitely a completionist and he used to be like a, oh platinum every achievement kind of person has backed off of that a little and i was i am one of those people that if i felt like i had to go in and hit a certain number of achievements or side quests i wouldn't even start playing the game because my time is so limited (laughs) for video games that like once you get outside of the story i feel like i can i can't devote much mental energy to it so i'm here for the story and then i pull out as soon as i get done so there's a i probably have only played about 30% of God of War, having gone from beginning to end with the story. Um, There's a lot left to do still, but I did enjoy the story. I have a little bit of a problem with all of the women in it being absent mothers. Um, (laughs) Yep, that's a a big thing. It sucks to be a mom in God of War. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be a woman, period, in God of War, just having played the movie. Yeah, good point. And I feel like it's better now than it has been in the past, from what I hear. Um, But Mm. it's still not great (laughs) to be a woman in these games. So that's something. I enjoyed it. I definitely recommend it. I don't know that I enjoyed it to the extent that all of the reviews enjoyed it. Like, with, like, 100% reviews across the board, it was good. I don't think it was outstandingly good. I had, like I said, I've said this multiple times now, but I had issues with the um, one button for all of your controls, basically. I feel like it was clunky. Um, The fighting was so good, but as far as just, like, agility with your character, I feel like that suffered in this game. Um, But overall, the story, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I, of course, loved the, like, mythology that they bring in, and they did a very good job on this one with that. But um, I have not started a new console game since I finished God of War, because my work got crazy over the last couple of weeks. So I actually ended up downloading Oddmar, which is a mobile game. And it only okay. came out at the fun, fun. at the end of uh, April, like April like 19th or 20th or so it came out. So it's only been out for a little while. Um it is $4.99 in the App Store, which I know is steep for some people as far as apps, like, games go. But it is so far, and I'm only about two hours in, um, it is so far very, very good platformer. Like, console-level platformer as a mobile game. Uh-huh. The art is incredible. Wow. And it's about a Viking. It starts off the first, like, cutscene before you even start playing the game is this uh, Viking, Odmar 
whose parents die. And that's like the first thing you see is his parents dying. And now he's all alone as like a kid. And basically he does not have Viking qualities because he grew up without parents. So he wasn't really trained to be a Viking. So now he has to go like do Viking quests in order to get into Valhalla, but he's not really trained for it. So he turns to drugs, um, which is magic mushrooms. <laughs> How to train your Viking. Turn. Yeah. As you do. Um, which is, you know, he's not the first person with a rough childhood to turn to drugs to help them get through. Um, <laughs> Fair that's, enough. That's, that's, that's super uncommon. Oh, Whitney, not to interrupt, but yeah. how do you spell that? Because I'm looking for it. O-D-D-M-A-R. Yeah, this art style is beautiful. It's very reminiscent of like Ori in the Blind Forest or like Rayman kind of shit. Like I'm I'm totally in. And yeah, for the price point that I'm totally interested. Yeah, uh, what I will say is I was looking it up um, when I saw about it and uh, there's a Destructoid review that says he only spent four to five hours on it. So you are talking like a dollar an hour, but I have spent a lot more than that on console games. And so far as a platformer, it holds up to console games. Um, Sweet. So I definitely, Impressive. I definitely so far recommend it, but I, I am only about one to two hours into like a four to five hour game. So I'm, I'm, you know, don't know how it pans out, but so far I can definitely recommend it. So you're basically playing God of War, and then you're playing a mobile version of God of War without Kratos. <laughs> so much mythos from Witten. Uh huh. Yeah. All yeah. the mythos. Vikings on shrooms. That game seems really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone ever? Did anyone ever play that Viking? It was called Viking, I think, Battle for Asgard. Asgard? Asgard on uh, <laughs> Xbox 360, I want to say. I don't know. It was Deep Cut, but like that's the one Viking game that oh. I've been able to get behind. That I, sounds was, like I might have seen it in passing in a yeah, GameStop, but I've I probably just laughed at it. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's a thing. When you work at GameStop, eventually you look at that wall and you're like, I have played every game on this wall over the past six very lonely years. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, you get down to the V's, and you're like, Viking battle for Asgard? Sure. And you find out that it's like a 7 out of 10. But I just, I feel like Vikings, in general, Norse mythology is something that has so, so much to dig from. And God of War, you know, scratches the surface. But as far as, like, genres and, or games are concerned, it's a lot of Egyptian stuff. It's a lot of, no one ever really goes too deep into Norse mythology. So it's good to see Whitney, mm-hmm. you know, bringing up all the, all the Vikings. I am. Hell yeah. Although I really would like to see some more Greek mythology out there. I would be way deeper into Greek mythology than I am into Norse mythology, but right now there's not much out there that digs into the Greek. It's all, like you said, Egyptian is the biggest stuff, and obviously with God of War, there's quite a bit of like Norse mythology out there, but I would love to see more Greek stuff. I, if, you, if you like Greeks, ooh, sorry to cut you, Bren. No, God. I feel like a dick. <laughs> I get cut if, all if the you time. Like, if you, oh. I live in the city. There's a lot of roughs and youths out here. <laughs> yeah, dude. Dude's just pulling up next to you, like, "Hey, let me fix your car," yeah. and then you get stabbed for yeah, it. Yeah, all like, the time. Yeah. LA is a safe place to live. Oh, uh, the first three God of Wars, I think that's why people kind of move away from Greek stuff. Yeah. Is that yeah. the first three God of Wars are so packed, and mm-hmm. not only are they packed, but they just they feature every god and really goddess. So by the by the time you've you've finished god of war 3 you've pretty much lived through Greek mythology. <laughs> yeah. but it is it is full of of some problems as we forementioned earlier uh-huh. no it's fine it's a fine it's all cool everyone loves zeus zeus is a great it's, guy it's oh god zeus is fine zeus is the villain in every story no matter the perspective i don't care who who's telling the story zeus is always a bad guy he's a fucking monster yeah and he's also a fucking single monster. 
I mean, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Almost every single, like, god in Greek mythology is essentially a dick. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I would argue that Hephaestus is actually my favorite Greek god because he's the only cool one. He's the only one who's chill. Everyone else is like, I'm going to eat my firstborn or, like, yeah. uh, you know, throw these babies off a cliff. And you're like, guys, just chill. That's it's what happens. Just chill. That's what happened to Hephaestus. <laughs> and he crawled back up the mountain. He's like, hey, guess what? Guess what, mom? I'm still alive. Fuck you. And then he just became a blacksmith and married the hottest god. He's like just the hot Aphrodite. Yeah, it's like just let him live his life. He's just chill while everyone else is like eating babies. It's weird. It's um, those Greeks. I'm fine with eating you? babies. It's all the assault that I have a problem with. I think Kratos is an is an equal offender assaulter. I don't yeah. think that he really sees uh, anything besides red when, yeah. when he attacks. I would say uh, with the previous God of War games, I do love them, but like it also hit me right at the time of like. The angsty teenager that just wants to murder everything inside. So, like, I definitely had a released view. At a good time. Yeah, <laughs> for me. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely the most, like, compassionate and well-developed character he is in the most recent one. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can go back and they are fun games still. But, like, story-wise, you're probably not going to get He's a, a total caricature. Yeah, he's just the angry, bald guy who kills everything. Um but I, the through line of God of War. <laughs> I will also toss out, if you don't mind really old games, uh, especially on PC, Age of Mythology is great. Yeah. You, are, it, you are not the first person to say that, and I definitely think I'm going to do that. You play as Greek, Egyptian, Norse, and in the expansion, Atlanteans. Yeah. I what? Is That's that a real cool. thing? Yeah, it's an older <laughs> game. It's like 98, I want to say, or so. The graphics do not hold up at all. Dollars? Or year? Oh, uh, uh, year, year, 98. I was like, $98, man. Physical <laughs> PC media going <laughs> It's up. super oh, yeah. rare. It was, yeah. rare. It was real rare. Could, it's the Marvel vs. Capcom 2 of uh, our, our uh, RTS games. Bugman um, will send you a burned <laughs> copy of <laughs> the game with his masturbation scene. Uh, there we go. Through it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's a real shouts out Bugman. <laughs> it's a real time strategy game, and it's very good. That's the one that really got me into like mythology early on. And yeah, I honestly, on a superficial level, I think people don't touch Norse mythology as much as rich as it is because it's the hardest to say. It's the hardest to pronounce all those damn names, with all the <laughs> random J's and F's in there. Well, there's a lot of grand philosophies too. That's true. What a hell of a derail. Um, but let's get back <laughs> on to this uh, games we've been playing. Uh, is that all you've been playing, Whitney? Should we move on to Bryn? Yeah, God of War and Odmar. That's all That's all I've got. So Super cool. Um, yeah, Bryn, how about you? You and I are in a similar boat. I don't have much to talk about, so I'm glad we had some people on to actually talk about games. That's really cool. <laughs> for once. I can, I can talk for hours and hours, man. Just you, like, you reel me up. I'm like Woody, but when you pull me, instead of like, someone's poisoned the watering hole, I'm like, what is up with Xbox versus PlayStation <laughs> fanboys? And just for hours and hours and hours. Oh, I thought you meant you're going to try and kill my prettier, newer best friends because you're just well, mad with jealousy. Me- Maybe that too. Woody's oh, a, like a, Woody's a real situation. Yeah, Woody's a real dick in the first uh, movie. A hundred percent. He's he's very jealous. He's very upset. Uh, Woody, you know what? A lot of people they they undercut him. They're like he's just he's just a sheriff. He doesn't know what he's doing. Here comes Buzz Lightyear, super futuristic. But but ultimately, Woody saves the day. Speaking of Woody, uh, Kingdom Hearts three guys, oh, right? Yeah. Am oh, I man. am I right? Believe Sorry me. for the derail. I'm a, a huge fan. It's like notoriously <laughs> like obsessed with that franchise. Tr- trying to platinum all the PS4 ones before I get to Kingdom Hearts three. Although I've You're played insane, them multiple Douglas. times. You know, it's it's it is insane. And I'll, we have a other podcast on our uh, network, One Track Gamers, where one of their hosts, uh, Corey, I think he's already done it. I think he's up to like. Uh, 
I forget which one. Um, the 3D Dream Drop Distance. It's like remade on PS4. I think he's currently playing that. But it's just, we're all so obsessed. I can't wait for that goddamn game. But also, it's a running joke that Bren and our other co-host, Matt, say that it's just not going to happen. And it's just not gonna, a it's not giant real. farce. So it's just, the Duke Nukem Forever of PlayStation 4. Yeah, it's it's going on 13 years. If it doesn't release by December 22nd of this year, it'll have been 13 years since Kingdom Hearts 2. And I'm I I remember like I said, I beat it the the year it came out. I got Kingdom Hearts 2. I was such a huge fan of the first game. Got that like day 1, beat it a couple weeks down the road, maybe a month. It was a pretty long game and like I only had uh, so much time to play back then. But oh man, even still, I beat it right away and I was like, "Oh, this game only the turnaround was so short it, it can't be long until kingdom hearts 3 i can't wait and here we are <laughs> yeah it's just depressing i i pointed on the last uh episode the entirety of the god of war franchise came out within the time of yeah. Kingdom hearts 2 and 3 that's there's oh man if if you guys are i mean if you i guess if you haven't seen they releasing or they're letting journalists get their hands on kingdom hearts 3 and for those who don't know at E3 Square Enix is having a conference and that is notable because you know Microsoft and PlayStation they'll have their big press conferences Square Enix normally doesn't uh but they are and it's their longest one i think they've ever done the last time they did a press conference I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it was Final Fantasy 15's release date and or no, because Final Fantasy 7 remake was PS4. But what I'm saying is that E3 2018 will have a Kingdom Hearts 3 release date, which they will probably miss, I would guess. I'm probably going to say summer 2019 Easy. Or, or holiday. To yeah. Be and I can understand that being like one of those like, oh, it's getting pushed back. There's so many games like AAA games these days that are getting delayed. So like I as long as they get it right. We've been waiting so long at this point. Like, what's another two years? Like, Jesus. That's what I always say. Uh, it's, it's better. It's better to be good and released later than to be terrible and released on time. Whatever that means in the industry nowadays, you know. Yeah, Definitely. I, I forget exactly who said it. it was one of the higher ups in Nintendo, uh, so I can't quote him exactly. But he was saying like, uh, Reggie Fizeme. <laughs> yes, yeah, so no. Um, but it was uh, someone said like uh, a game released early will always be bad. Like, a bad game released early will always be bad. A bad game delayed until it's good can still be good. Like, so it's like, no matter how much you delay it, it has a chance of being good. But if you rush it out the door early to meet a certain deadline, like, the publisher wants to hit a certain date, like Christmas, you know, 20-whatever, and it's a bad game and release, and they're going to update it later with a patch, say, like, Destiny, that game's always going to be bad. That's that's kind of what what we get with Call of Duty here. Call of Duty Black Ops Four breaking headlines because it has no campaign, which yep. was uh, recently confirmed, and that is because they were working on a campaign and then wanted to get into this whole battle royale business yep. and just ran out of time. And they said, "Hey, no, you you have to release now. You have to release on this date." So they said, "All right, we're canning all the single player." And if they had another year, maybe Black Ops Four could have had the best campaign of all Call of Duties. I don't know what that even means to people, but. It's like you said, exactly like you said. Take yeah. too much time, don't take enough time, people rushing. Uh, games are a creative process. Anytime you try to rush a creative process, it makes for bad product, generally speaking, in my opinion. It's also a problem because it's a creative process, but it's also a financial process because it makes so much money. Every every year you see a new headline of, like, so-and-so game makes more money than any form of entertainment ever in existence, so like blah, blah, blah. So like because there's so much money behind it now, it's become more of a business rather than an art in a lot of forms, especially with the AAA titles. And that's why there's this resurgence, especially on Switch and Steam, of indie games, because people can devote the time to it. Stardew Valley, Owlboy, 
but it took like years, if not close to a yeah, decade. Cowboy was like eight years, yeah, yeah. something like yeah. that. So they can put the time and effort into it to make it perfect, exactly what they want, or as close as they can, and not have to worry about their big AAA publisher pushing them out the door. And I know it so. doesn't. I know it doesn't always feel like it because we don't have you know the glitz and glamour of like the Hollywood movie premieres, but the video game industry is bigger than movies, television, and uh, music combined. We're in the biggest entertainment industry when it comes to pure dollars. It's just you know we don't roll out the red carpet and have Todd Green or whatever the hell Todd Howard walk down oh, when he God. makes Fallout Four. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of money, a lot of money in games. So yeah. it is what it is. Well, because like for a movie, like we were saying, like one person's buying a ticket, that's twelve dollars. Whereas one person buying a game, that's sixty. Or mm-hmm. even if it's on sale, that's thirty. That's still like two tickets. So yeah, it's not. There's hella money. It's crazy. Definitely. Um, uh, Bren, how about you though? Uh, oh, other games? Right. Uh, no, nothing really. There's a Overwatch event going on right now, and I fucking really want that Arisa skin because uh, it's super, super dope. And I dropped skin like twenty. I dropped like 20 bucks trying to get boxes on it because I got like 600 hours in that game. I feel like it's earned 20 more bucks from me. No, um, I understand that uh, justification in your brain, but don't uh, do it much more. But did you even no, get cu- it with the $20? I cut myself off there because it's the anniversary event. So usually with some events, they have specialty like either skins or sprays or voice lines that are only around during that event, like during Christmas That's or That's how Halloween. they get you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But with the anniversary one, you can get uh, rewards or loot from any of the previous events. So you can get them from Halloween, from winter, from summer games. From oh, summer. that's a smart idea. Blizzard is really smart for doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's cool that you can get a bunch of stuff now. The downside is they fix the loot crate formula so you don't get duplicates as much, which means you don't get in-game currency as much, so you can't just straight up buy the stuff right away. And Oof. now that it's between every event... Now I have a lot wider range of getting stuff and a lot smaller chance of getting duplicates, which give me coins. And Do you still enjoy the game, though? This yeah. Is my, is, <laughs> I, as long as you still enjoy... Eventually, like, I have a buddy, we play League, and he has, like, every League skin. When you do the math, it's, like, $5,000. And then mm-hmm. we'll play, like, one game, and he's like, I fucking hate this game. And I'm like, well, then why are you buying every brand new skin? And he's like, well, because I've already got all of them. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a, it's a time sink. And then one day, he's like, somebody hacked my account and tried to move it to the Oceana server. <laughs> oh, so my like, God. Maybe because you have $6,000 in skins, man. Don't know what to tell you. What are you doing? But yeah. I, I can... At least Overwatch, Overwatch isn't a big, a super big offender in loot boxes. They're generally pretty fair. You know? I have to cut myself off though when it comes to Rocket League though. Like I'll just get like a certain number of like colored wheels. It's like, ah, oh, I just got to complete the set. And it's like, but then at the end of the day, I'm like, I do hate this game, but I love it. Like there's so many times where like the community's so toxic and I'm like, yeah, like this actually has value, but like, am I ever going to cash in on it and get what any of this is worth? Probably not. It's just all bullshit. Yeah, I've been using the same, like, Rick and Morty-themed, like, rocket fuel and the same platinum wheels I got, like, three seasons ago. Right. And those, the cool uh, deal-with-it shades that were in the base yes. game <laughs> has never, it's never gotten off my car. It has always been there. So, like, the cosmetics for me, it's just like, it's like collecting Pokemon cards. Like, ooh, a, ho- a holographic Charizard. I yes. don't need it for gameplay, but I want to have it so all my friends will be jelly. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> and it's definitely better it's with life. Overwatch because you can't buy you can't just straight out buy the stuff like you could in league so mm-hmm. i've spent 40 dollars on the game itself because i bought it uh on release from blizzard's website so it was only 40 um, nice and then over the course of the last two years i spent another 40 on like loot boxes and it's not terrible no i figured and considering i have over 600 hours in it i think that's very uh, fair 
Um, so there's there's many games that I would pay $120 for flat if they asked me. Like if The Witcher 3, if they were like, this game is $100, I'd be like, that's fine because I know how many hours I'm going to put in it. Yeah. You know? Fuck, Binding of Isaac. They could ask for 200 Done. I, I, yeah, I, I would buy it for 150 I'd, yeah. I'd support Ed McMillan for that. Um, so the downside is it's all random. So I'm just getting it stuff randomly. And I don't... A, I'm impatient. Like, it's going on until for like two more weeks, the event. But I just want that skin now. And I want to make sure I have it and safe. The downside is it's 3,000 coins. So I'm just... I bought all these loot boxes. I see. Yeah. So I bought all these loot boxes just hoping to get du- duplicates and coins in the boxes itself. So I can just flat out buy the skin I want. That way I don't have to leave it to chance in the next two weeks that I might or might not get it. Because um, it won't be another I'd, year until I can get the skin again. I'd be I'd be interested to see. See, this is my fault why the show keeps getting derailed because he <laughs> says one thing and then I'm like, and then. But well, I don't know if you guys talked about it. So it works. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you guys talked about it on on your show, but it was uh, what EU country? Uh, they they straight up Belgium, maybe Belgium, they straight I up think. banned. Yeah, banned games with loot boxes. They consider yeah. them straight up gambling. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see if Blizzard reworks their system, mm-hmm. or more interestingly, if they release a different region game. Mm-hmm. And at that point, if they release a game in Belgium, and Overwatch is just like, hey, the cosmetics are this and this, then it opens this big conversation as to. Is it should a game be a hundred percent across the board the same, or should it be different depending on the region and and what they think about the laws? It'll be interesting to see a lot of things going on with loot boxes and yeah. game stuff legality in general. We talked about on our uh, last episode, episode one hundred and three, that opening up your Xbox or PlayStation and removing that little uh, sticker, the little warranty seal, it, it no longer breaks your warranty. I don't know if you guys heard that either, but oh. like big government agency came down and like 10 years too late and they're like, hey, that's not how that works. So just a lot of weird stuff happening in games now. Yeah, totally. I know. A senator from Hawaii is really like the forefront of trying to pass mm-hmm. a, a loot box bill in the States. In China, Blizzard actually had to give the probabilities of, of what you can get from those boxes. So I that's, think that's something that we see in the U.S., probabilities. Because people love spending money. They love gambling in the U.S. As long yeah. as you have a percentage there, they'll do it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so I'm I'm not super against Blizzard because it is all cosmetic. And in the end, I don't need that skin. I just really want it because I think it's the best Orisa skin. I really like that character. But there's other games where it is buffing or nerfing your character making you better. And I think that really fucks up the gameplay because that's just straight up pay to win. Cosmetic um, only. That's cosmetic only. I'm fine with it. a random loot box. And then if you want to pay for more loot boxes to get the chance of buying it flat out like I'm doing, I'm fine with that also. Uh, but I would agree that a game should probably be as uniform as it can be across the world, but with the certain laws, like in China and Belgium and Australia is super strict with uh, video game laws. Oh, yeah. It's there. impossible to be completely uniform. So I think they should just try and do as best as they can. But like uh, us as gamers have to understand that there are legal ramifications for them not doing everything the same. <laughs> Brendan said gamers need to understand. Oh, I, it's a dream audience. I have. It's a foolish <laughs> dream. I woke up and everyone was friends in the game industry. And, and then I realized, no, no, it's okay. Every Everyone's time, kind of a dick. Every time I log into Overwatch, I just get like pop-ups like, thank you for, for reporting this player. We've taken action against him. Thank you for reporting this player. Or just over and over and over and over again. Vindicated, just, vindicated, vindicated. Oh, they're just awful people. They're just terrible people in that game. I believe it. Uh, But yeah, that's all I've been really playing. Oh, I will say, I haven't played it yet, but I'm really looking forward to playing it, and I hope you guys are really looking forward to hearing about it for the next 40 episodes, but it's a game called Moonlighter. 
that's coming out next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I can't talk about that yet. Oh. You'll have fun. Yes, it's, um, the animation's beautiful. It's a pixel style, and it's very well done animation-wise. Um, but the premise of the game is, uh, dungeon-crawling roguelike. It's so but cute. But you run a item shop store during the day and dungeon-crawl at night to get all the items to sell in the store. So it's basically race a tier an item shop tale, plus Binding of Isaac. Two yeah. of my favorite games. And I will probably lose a good year or two when this game finally comes out, because it looks... Right on my alley, and I cannot wait for it. That's a really cool premise. I'm interested. Yeah. That's all I've been playing. Yeah. Let's, let's get this, this train back on the tracks here, That's Doug. the thing. <laughs> I, I, have, I have very few games to talk about, too. In fact, this is the last time I'll be bringing up this mobile game I brought up numerous times before. This game sloped down first trip. I did everything. Like, I got all the achievements. I beat level 20, and uh, that's the thing. The final level was extremely challenging. Like, uh, for, for anyone who's just listening for this episode, uh, sloped down, you traveled, d- like, downhill on, like, various environments as, like, a... a orb just like and you have different power-ups you can like use a magnet ability to like suck in um collectibles and stuff or you can use this one like acceleration boost and eventually it just progressively gets harder and this 20th level is extremely challenging as like they throw all sorts of shit at you as like you're flying down this hill like little red orbs are flying by you and exploding you and if you like get caught up in one of your explosions you have to start over and I remember on a previous episode explaining like oh I haven't spent a dime on this uh, game even though like the ads are extremely like fury like and rage inducing because it's just like so constantly throwing ads at you one of the achievements was like, oh, unlock the red color, which is like you can uh, power up to slow down your orb. And I'm like, oh, that might be really handy for certain like uh, achievements I'm trying to accomplish because there's all sorts of various shit you have to do. Um, long story short, the only way to unlock the red uh, power up is to pay for it. And it was like $2.50. And I was thinking to myself, you know, it is very stupid. But I thought to myself, <laughs> same what? along the lines of uh, Bren, I had the justification. I've spent Dog so much list. time playing this goddamn game. This game is Dog worth glass. just $2.50 to me. Just, and the just, game. Just a bit. The thing is, the game says, like, uh, at the every time you load it up, it's like, any purchase will remove ads. I'm like, all right, I'm going to win-win. I get a, an achievement, and I get this power-up, and I uh, get rid of the ads, because I play it so frequently. So, I'm like, why not? $2.50 totally makes sense. Do it. I feel good about it. And now I don't have to deal with the ads anymore. I'm like, thank God, this is great. I'm blasting through the game. I beat it. But there's one achievement that I've yet to get. And it's like, it's one of those, like, talk about completionists. I feel like OCD would like kick in for most people. And they're like, I just have to do it. There's one other achievement where it's like, you have to buy a gold pack and like the cheapest gold pack is another $2.50. I'm like, I don't think this game is worth $5 to me. I think the $2.50 was worth it and I want to call it there. But if I want that final achievement, I'm like, fuck. But I, I, to the point, I'm to the point where I played that game and did everything I can. Uh, who the fuck cares about that final achievement? It is just a scam at that point. So I'm good. And it was a fun game and I do recommend it, but it, it is finite and there isn't, but I feel like I could always, there is some replayability, although now that I've done everything, I don't really foresee myself doing that. Um, but that's the thing. So now I'm in the market for a new mobile game and I was checking out like, oh, what are some newly updated or brand new mobile games on the Play Store? And one caught my eye. It was Kingdom Hearts. No, oh, Harry that's Potter. the thing. We talked about that at length and I lost interest oh, immediately good. because that was bullshit. Yeah, I don't think I've played it since the last time we talked about Harry Potter. Yeah, I agree. I... That's what I mean. It's yeah. very forgetful, I feel like. Yeah. 
I played all the way to the final the final year, um, or not the final year, the end of the first year. I'm sure you guys talked about it at length, but mm-hmm. you have to wait for like eight hours at certain points. So at mm-hmm. the very end of the first year, I guess spoilers for Harry Potter Mobile? No one that, cares. No one that cares. Feels really weird. Spoilers for Harry Potter Mobile. Snape kills Dumbledore. No, right (laughs) at the end of the first year, Dumbledore gathers you all in the Grand Hall, and he's like, "You guys fucking did so good at magic this year. Here's this big house cup." And every time, not kidding, every time Dumbledore makes this dopey ass face, and he's like, "Here you go, Harry Gryffindor." And every time I click the next dialogue, it crashes. (laughs) Let me tell you, and I tried. I uninstalled, reinstalled, uh, like five, six, seven times. It crashes. There is no pain greater. <laughs> yeah. Knowing you spent at least like 70 hours idling in this faux Hogwarts magical kingdom mm-hmm. only to have the house cup within your little your little grasp and then the game completely crashes. But I will also say there is no better representation on the quality of the product than that. Yeah. Is that you, you you get through everything. You probably spent some money if they if you if they got you. Right. And then oh nope, game's just gonna crash six that's, times over. I almost feel like that's by design. Yeah. I, I really I do. was thinking that. I was thinking it might but be on purpose. They don't have year two yet, and yeah. they're just like, oh, what do we do? I don't know. Crash program. Easy. Get their money. <laughs> no one's going to get that far. Um, but that's the thing. So really, yeah, they won't. <laughs> uh, I, I gave up on that. But no, the game that did catch my interest, and I have a feeling already it's going to be one of those I lose interest immediately in. But as is with most mobile games, unless they're like really compelling, like Monument Valley and shit. But uh, this game- I think I'm free. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Kingdom Hearts Union X, or I think it's supposed to be pronounced Cross. So Kingdom Hearts Union Cross, it looks like, like, I don't know, just your Kingdom Hearts mobile game. I think there was a predecessor to this just called Kingdom Hearts Hearts, uh, Cross, just the X or whatever. I never played that. But the style of this, your character is like a little 2D representation. It almost like makes me think of like South Park in a weird way. But like, I don't know. It's, It's interesting. You can customize your character. It seems like... I don't know. I didn't get very far, and I'm just not sure. The style's not really gripping me. I have a feeling it's just going to be... What's the gameplay? It's very it- just like you tap your screen over and over again as you fight. The, the, I did a little tutorial oh, on standard the... Standard Kingdom Hearts stuff. Yeah, just Sounds very like hack and game. slash. Yeah, I'm I'm not sold just yet, but that's I want to get further in that. So I will be keeping our listeners posted on that if I get further in it and remember to play. Because, I don't know, it, it didn't seem to grip me immediately. And that's the thing. There's so many Kingdom Hearts games. I'm like, is this going to tie in? Is this canon? Does this matter at all? Like, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Oh, in fact... In fact, that game, I don't I don't know anything about Kingdom Hearts. I'm just going to come out and say, but if I know anything about Square Enix, uh, you won't understand anything about Kingdom Hearts 3 unless you complete that game 100%. Watch watch that be like the, the, the thing. It's at the very end. Sora's like, oh, this character that was only in the last chapter of Kingdom Hearts Unity Cross for mobile, wink, wink. Like, it's, yeah. they'll totally do no, that. They, that's what, that, that's they what already Assassin's Creed inf- did. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they've infuriated me before to the point where I had, like, insane rant. Like, I usually don't get too heated on this podcast, but I was very upset with, like, this Matrix bullshit where they were like, oh, you're inside the Datascape, like, uh, shit that they pulled in, uh, I don't even remember which one it was. But, uh, anyway, Kingdom Hearts, I love you and I hate you at the same time. So, I'm really excited for Kingdom Hearts 3. Not so sure how I feel about this mobile game, but that's pretty much it for me. Sounds like a toxic relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
pretty whatever much. makes you happy. You're an adult. You know, I'm know. not going to tell you how to live your love life. If you want to, if you want to love these young anime boys with their giant boots <laughs> and their hearts full of, it's also the I, don't, I literally don't know. It's their pants the are Disney so disproportionate. Characters. Oh fuck, Riku's pants. Um, but no, and that's the thing. Oh, speaking of Disney, this is one thing I want to throw out there real quick. You'll never I, find Kyrie's heart. <laughs> I saw a movie trailer. I don't even see many movie trailers because I'm not like that hip these days. But like, there's this trailer for. Uh, <laughs> All the kids are seeing trailers. There we go. I had to be corny <laughs> as fuck. Uh, but that's the thing. Uh, there's this movie trailer for Winnie the Pooh, but it's not actually Winnie the Pooh. It's like a live oh action like CGI yeah. Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. and it's like. But I, what's the name of it again? The main character Woods. Uh, no, I or think it's Christopher uh, Robbins. It's the guy. Uh, Christopher yeah, the guy, Wa- Christopher, Christopher Robbins. Robbins. That's, yeah. That's definitely it. That's the name of the movie. Yes. And I don't know if you got around a chance to see this tra- trailer, but wow, Winnie the Pooh looks kind of bizarre. And apparently their, their defenses, they were modeling it around like the original, like whoever mm-hmm. created the stories had like more like sketch like drawings of these characters. And they looked very different than what the representation you and I would typically uh, connect with. So, but I don't know. I kind of think it's very cute. They casted Ewan McGregor in it. And I'm like, all right, I'm sold. Like, I really want to see this movie now. So, it looks like a fun yeah, experience. I am, I am all in for that one. It looks great to me. <laughs> this Winnie the Pooh thing, it, it's weird because uh, a long time ago, maybe it was a few years ago, there was a pitch by script writer Max Landis. I don't know if you guys are familiar with his work at all. He did like yeah. American Ultra and a few things. Uh, he had this whole pitch where it was like this war story mm-hmm. and there was like this father and, you know, he had this son. It, long story short, the whole twist of it was that it was Winnie the Pooh and they were going into Hundred Acre Wood, but it was like this dark and twisted thing. So when I saw this, I was like, oh my God, are they making this like dark and gritty thing? Um, and uh, no, it wasn't that. It's like this nice Ewan McGregor thing. So it'll be interesting to see. But uh, if you're interested in that, just uh, look up Max Landis, uh, Winnie the Pooh thing, and then just mute it and like uh, minimize it on your screen because Max Landis is like a womanizer and he's a piece of shit. So mm-hmm. I feel oh, I should be like, well, I mean, I used to be a bit f- a big fan of his, but after a lot of things that happened in Hollywood, some stuff came out about him, and you know, we don't we don't support that kind of stuff no. in our in yeah. our groups. Even before that stuff came out, I've heard numerous stories of him being just an uh, insufferable prick. So the, the guy has uh, some interesting ideas. Doesn't make him not a shitty human mm-hmm. being. Yeah. That make that's totally makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, so let's maybe before we wrap this episode up with some plugs, let's do some like newsy bits. I know we have a couple things in show topics. I let's just kind of burn through them. Hopefully, you don't go Hell yeah. too long. But that's the thing. One thing that really I want to mention right off the bat is that uh, apparently. PlayStation 4 is kind of at the end of its life cycle, people are saying, and that we can kind of anticipate the PS5 in the next two, three years. That's so weird to me. Who is saying that? Uh, that's the thing. People, uh, there's you know, lots of uh, articles Man's, articles women's. that I've read about this, but one particularly came from GameSpot, so I don't hmm. know. Well, when did it, when did the PS4 originally release? Because they're always on this ten year life. All the cycle. way back in November of 2013. So it's like less than ten years. If yeah, that's interesting. I, I would assume that a PS5 is being developed. I would also assume that the successor to the Switch and the Xbox One is in its like baby stages. But at this point, you got to ask, like, what are you gonna really do? Even the Xbox yeah. One X, which is way more powerful than the PS4 Pro, no one's really developing for it because it's like super expensive. You can go 8K. And like that can be your output, but you can't but even see at that point. Like your eyes <laughs> can't pick it up. Let's be honest. Out of all the people who are buying Xbox One Xs and PS4 Pros, how many people actually have a 4K TV or really care? Not about me. That much? Like you, 
not no me one. either, but <laughs> I want one. one. They got me, like, I don't know, I'm brainwashed. I fucking work in media in LA, like, the fifth largest economy in the world, and fucking no one I know has one. It's 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 insane. I, I, think, that, I think that video game consoles are going to have longer life cycles, but I think this PS5 kind of, this next generation will be the one where we see everything go fully digital, and they'll just become game, like, systems will be a thing that upgrade over time with firmware, because at a certain point, I mean, hardware becomes less and less expensive as time goes on, but we've reached the, like, I played this Detroit Become Human game on PS4, and, like, Sometimes it's it's uncanny how photorealistic it can be. Definitely. So there's only so much further we can go. It would just be interesting to see what they're what what they're going to sell it as. If you're not selling like it's the most powerful system that gives you the best Blu-ray graphics or whatever, like what what's their sell on the PS5? It would be interesting to see, especially after the Xbox One S is like the, or X or whichever one is the most powerful gaming system of all time or whatever they're advertising it as. Um, another one that jumps out to me is that there's now available a Scuff Vantage officially licensed performance performance controller for ps4 so i know people that are like uh controller buffs and like really like to customize their shit now you have a really nice one to choose for from for ps4 downside though is the price point and i just personally don't understand how anyone would be able to afford this on just a single controller but the the wired one is 170 dollars and the wireless (laughs) one is 200 dollars and people are saying that seems a little high i'm like a little little high a little high. Yeah. I think even the Xbox One controllers that you can go on Microsoft's dumb website and make it like pink with like one blue button and one orange button and say like, you know, I don't know, whatever you want. Shoot me in the face on the front of it. Like that thing is only like $100. But so, nuggets. Like how? Exactly. Perfect. And there it's only $100 and it's right to your door. Or, or, but like 200 how good is this going to make me at quick scoping like 12 year olds on Call of Duty? Agreed. Really? And, and I feel like what is your target audience? Only like the super rich people. Like I saw another, this one guy was showing off his $30,000 computer gaming rig. And it's like straight wow. out of like grandma's boy. Like when you see like the, the one developer, like the guy who's got robot ears, uh, he's like got his own setup with like, like this chair that moves and like a big 4k screen that comes down in front of him. And he's got like every thing that you can imagine that makes you comfortable and like sit in front of like a crazy display and i'm like i feel like that's the only guy out there that's like yeah i'll drop two hundred dollars on a single controller in fact give me two or three of them and i feel like your average person it was like if they really want that controller it's like man i have to sacrifice saving up for like two or three games that i could be playing just for a controller and i i don't understand what their thought process is there unless i don't know people are buying them i'm sure I think there's a there's a sort of collectionist uh, mentality to it. Maybe I don't know. I, I there was a customer I used to have a long time ago, but he was a sports medicine doctor, and this guy would come in on all the midnights at, at GameStop, and he would buy like every game, every game. And I remember very vividly uh, at the Batman Arkham Origins. It was mm. the one that was like the yeah uh, yeah uh huh correct that one. <laughs> he was. He was buying it and i was like what did you think of the ending of city and he was like i haven't even opened my arkham asylum yet I'm like, what, <laughs> I'm two what games do do? behind and he's like i like games i just have no time to play it so i do think there is an audience of people who really do love games and have an exorbitant amount of money so you get like these you know standard man caves where you know you deck it out with whatever but at a certain point you know i mean people are adults they can spend their money however they want for me if you're gonna spend thirty thousand dollars on a pc you maybe should have donated some of that money but hey everyone's an adult they can spend their money however frivolously they want to i can <laughs> either buy one playstation 4 controller 
or two months worth of groceries. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Or like chalk up another, I don't know, 50, 60 bucks and that's a Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. Yeah. Put at a that in point, perspective, yeah. The accessories versus being able to have a whole new console or like even a, a tablet or a heart or like a, a cheaper PC. Like there's so many things that you could do. You could like make the whole laptop into a controller with that new like xbox adaptive thing and then link that to ps4 i don't know people it's convenience two hundred dollars is crazy though like that's ridiculous that's absolutely nuts and i feel like what you everyone's gonna want the wireless one so it's like pony up another thirty dollars um this one's actually really upsetting and strikes me too close to home but like look i'm kind of in a lucky position well no i i'm not sure if you do maybe you do (laughs) uh this best buy is ending its gamer club unlocked program and i don't understand it's very upsetting (laughs) because it's got that was very impressive because it could give people like 20 percent off new games so it's not accepting new members but i'm in a unique position where i'm already a member so they will honor my membership until the the end like of the subscription so i think i had it for like two years i'm probably like a year or so in so i probably have it for an additional year but it's just very unfortunate for people that weren't able to jump onto that because you could save a shitload of money of buying your games exclusively at best buy well i that's what i heard is that it was actually a really 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 good deal um so to hear that they're ending it i don't know i think that they've always best buy has kind of always tried to enter that whole gamestop market of you know use games trade in stuff like that you've seen them try to do that but as stores like best to buy and gamestop continue to fail just retail stores in general as we move towards this digital marketplace i can see a lot of that stuff uh uh, going away. So it's sad to see because they offered like, was it 20% off new games or something like that? Yes, it was very, and there was uh, 10% off used and like lots and lots of perks that That's were like, damn. Straight up Amazon Prime level yeah. like discounts. It was fantastic and I it was totally worth it. And that's, I got it when I purchased my Switch. I was like, oh, I'm so on board with this. Um, Hell yeah. Another, so that's a bummer. But one thing you mentioned, Detroit becoming human. I think PlayStation Four owners can get a code that offers like twenty percent off almost any transaction. I'm sur- sure, like certain new games are excluded and stuff. But uh, just for watching a Detroit Become Human trailer, so I'll include a link in our show notes to that because I think, hey, if you you're interested in getting something on the PlayStation Store, you might as well save twenty percent just for I'll watching give- a trailer. I'll give you the short of it, because we're already running a little bit long here. But if you like David Cage games, aka Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, or if you like Telltale games, you know, like the Guardians of the Galaxy and The Walking Dead, uh, Detroit Become Human is like a fucked up episode of Black Mirror with mm-hmm. a lot of like worn sci-fi tropes, but they do it in an interesting way, and more so... Uh, just the pure amount of branching paths uh, that you can take on that game. Uh, it was like a 15-hour game. I played through it in two days trying to get in time for the uh, the release. So I played that game through straight. And as soon as I was done, as soon as those credits hit, I immediately started it again because there's just completely different things you can do. So if you're a fan I'm of so adventure I'm so excited games, for Detroit Become <laughs> Human. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not spoiling anything, but at one point, you can you have to kind of hide out. So you, there's four different locations you can choose from. Mm-hmm. Depending on where you spend the night, the next time you meet up with that character, the entire mission, the entire chapter is completely different. And at the end of a chapter, you get this flow chart that shows you all the possibilities. Mm-hmm. And depending on where you stay, you have four different starting areas and those flow charts, they never sync up. Yeah. So it's almost like a completely different story. I, I liked Heavy Rain a lot. I thought Beyond Two Souls was like, okay, this one sits firmly in the middle, but that's only because I'm a horror fan and mm-hmm. Heavy Rain was more of that. But if you like Black Mirror, if you like have Westworld, you played if you Until like Dawn? Like, 
Yes, it's like Until Dawn, so but more Black Mirror. Yeah, that's one of my all-time favorite games, which I've talked about on this show multiple times now. And that's why I'm so excited for Detroit, is because it looks the most Until Dawn-like of any game I've played yes. seen since Until Dawn. And it goes to some places that are far more disturbing than Until Dawn, but due to the branching narrative, you might not even see that stuff, because some of the stuff you have to fail to see. So ah! it'll be interesting. But if you like Until Dawn, you will love this movie. Yes! 100%. Excellent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's good to hear. That and makes me Matt, so how happy. About this? That's what I mean. <laughs> Since we have uh, such fans of this game, I feel like once we've all played it, we're going to most likely have a spoiler cast of that game. Like, from oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. talk yeah. about that game yeah. all yeah. in its entirety. Yeah. So we'll have to have you back for that. Um, I'd love to be on for that. But since this is getting long, uh, if we have any other news topics, we'll hit them next time. Two, Let's wrap well, this episode. Well, oh, what's up? Hold on. There's two things we got to hit. Oh, uh, okay. or a few things. Uh, RuneScape Classic shutting down its server side for 17 years, so that's oh, nice face. But sad face. Good news is Dauntless, the Monster World uh, game for PC, is open beta now, so anyone can play it now. It's essentially Monster Hunter World, but not being Monster Hunter World. But can you sell Santa hats for 14 million in Dauntless? <laughs> Probably not. That's a that's a deep RuneScape joke there. I, there's like two <laughs> people who are chuckling to themselves on the train, and the guy next to him is like, what? You left it a RuneScape joke? What is this, 2006? Oh, Mark. Uh, <laughs> even, <laughs> an even bigger bummer, though, uh, than RuneScape shutting down. Uh, we cursed it last time by talking about it, but Total Biscuit. I mentioned it. If anyone's going to beat the odds, he probably will, and go fucking figure. He pretty much died the next day. It just yeah, really sad fucking jinx it and i didn't realize he was only 33 like i thought he was older than that but still that's way too young and that's real fucking bomber yeah uh, a lot of heavy hearts yeah he's a fantastic he was a fantastic fantastic games journalist he brought a lot of heart to the industry that we don't see so often you know a lot of people have this shtick of like uh, not to not to talk shit it's but like angry joe you know everyone has a shtick and it seems like total biscuits whole thing was just that he was very honest with people and you know he had his own things but he was just a good person and the thing that's so upsetting about this is that he beat cancer and he had talked you can watch the h3 podcast uh where he talks about his struggle with it and to see him, you know, go into remission and lose, uh, uh, eventually lose his life so recently, um, it's just, it sucks to see. It really sucks to see, uh, generally speaking, cancer sucks. Uh, <laughs> you know, go to the doctor. If you ever feel a lump or anything, always self-check. Some of the stuff can't be avoided, but, uh, you know, it's so, it's so sad to see such a great person, yeah. uh, unfortunately, taken away from us too soon. Um, but his wife... His wife will be continuing the co-optional podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he said that she'll be taking up everything. I'm pretty sure. So uh, if you're still a fan of his work, it it sounds like he will be fondly remembered, and his work will continue in the same uh, fashion. Sorry if I like steamrolled no, over that no, whole thing, but that one affected me on. a little bit. Yeah, I agree. That makes yeah. perfect sense to me. There's definitely going to be like a void in the gaming industry as a whole, like with him gone. Um, it's, it really sucks. Um, but since then, since it's happened, the news broke like I think two days ago or so. Um, there's actually a GoFundMe set up for his uh, wife and child to help them yeah. with, because like he got out of remission and stuff, and it went back into this and that. But just piles of medical bills and their oh, main expenses, yeah. and they, I'm pretty sure he was the main money earner of the family. So there is a GoFundMe set up. I think they're already halfway at their goal um, to supporting uh, his wife and child that he left behind. Um, so if anyone wants to support them, that uh, that's the proper channel to go through. And uh, we talked this over with Basta, who's pretty much the head and creator of Pinecast. But if any listeners donate to the American Cancer Society before June 14th and can send us a confirmation of their donation, 
Pinecast will actually match that donation up to $1,000. That's amazing. So we yeah. can help out that way, too, by, you know, le- instead of, you know, furthering his legacy, we can help try and prevent others from succumbing to the same terrible fate. So, yeah, please, listeners, uh, we'll be posting a tweet about that. So, yeah, share that if you can and let people know because it's an easy way to just, like, kind of double down on a donation. Mm-hmm. So, it really know. sucks. It really sucks. Yeah. It's very upsetting. It we is. went a little long, but we just really want to make sure we hit that while it's still No, fresh. it makes perfect sense, and that is one that we had to talk about today. So, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, Let's finish this episode up, though, and do some plugs. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have to have you back again on a future episode. Like I said, maybe the Detroit for Become sure. Human uh, spoiler cast or anything along those lines. But let's, uh, once again, talks. yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, let's yeah, up. have you plug your podcast where listeners can find you on the internet. It's uh, Super Gamecast 64. Gamecast sounds like exactly, or spelled like exactly how it sounds. G-A-M-E-C-A-S-T, one word. Super Gamecast 64. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Stitcher. Uh, we did an RSS feed change, so if you like Google it, you might not find the correct feed. Generally speaking, the last one that should be there is episode 103 or 104. But if you find it, yeah, give it a listen. Um, you can find my writing that I do, like all my stuff uh, on a 90skid.com. You know, the game reviews and stuff. So if you're curious what I actually thought about Omen Sight in more than like, you know, 800 words or Detroit Become Human, you can visit that. That's a 90skid.com. But yeah, that's my main stuff. Cool. And how about you, Whitney? You also have a podcast. I do. It's called Historical Hotties. And we pit uh, famous historical figures who are all dead against one another in a battle for like hotness, supremacy. It's a little bit uh, debate club, a little bit sibling rivalry, and a little bit like History class and uh, you- Ben Franklin. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Not so much. Sorry. Um, but we are at historically hot everywhere on social media, and if you just search for historical hotties on you know any of the major podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, we will be there. So check us out. Awesome. And Bren, how about you? Uh, I'm ABTS Brennan on Twitter, but I mostly use that to retweet uh, subscription uh, sweepstakes and giveaways. So don't bother worrying about following me on Twitter. Instead, <laughs> I will recommend an artist I recently bought a few prints from and furthered my addiction. Her name is oh, I'm gonna butcher this. Uh oh, Melora Melora Malin M E L O R A M Y L I N. That's her that's name online. Name. Yeah. And uh, she's got a ton of art prints. I got from one of the Land of Illustrious, an uh, anime that I really got into recently. Uh, she's got pins and charms. And uh, also, if you're into it, she's got some body pillows. One of McCree from Overwatch. Another one mm. of the Fishman from Body of uh, Shape of Water. So that's fun. <laughs> awesome. Um, yes. You mean the Bugman. You mean the Bugman. Oh, there. No, yeah, no, no, that's no. what I mean. I've- this is a Fishman. That's the thing, like, uh, Doughboys, I have a little uh, plug about that. It's not even, like, a plug. Like, you mentioned giveaways and stuff that you use your Twitter for. I actually won something. Uh, the Doughboys have their own, uh, like, Patreon page where you can, like, become a member of the Golden Plate Club, and they do an additional podcast called the Doughboys Double. And they actually had Jason Schreier from uh, the news editor of Kotaku on their show, and he actually just wrote a book uh, called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. And they were talking on their show uh, on the double, basically saying, "Yeah, if you if the listener can guess what time we're recording at right now, 
uh, we'll send you a copy of Jason's book. And I jokingly logged into my Golden Plate Club account and went on there and was like, it's 420, isn't it? Blaze oh it, Doughboys. And I was like, and I was just totally joking and didn't think twice about it. And then literally just today, I got an email and they're like, Douglas, you're the winner. Message us your mailing address so we can mail you your copy of Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. So I got a copy of that book on its way to me from the Doughboys. Shout out to them. Love Nick Weiger and Mike Mitchell. I'd love to it's get Mike book. on the podcast as well because that would be a really fun conversation. Um, so that was something unique happening with me. And one other thing that I want to shout out is I was made an appearance on the Horribly Awkward podcast. We've had Sean on the show before in the past, and me and Brent have been on his show before. So mm-hmm. that's something you can look out on his recent feed. You'll probably see an episode with me and Alyssa White. So look forward to that. And speaking of Alyssa White, we'll have to have you on our show one of these days. So we'll be setting that up in the future. And listener, if you like our show, please give us a like, follow, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram. Our handle's ABT Silence. And we have a podcast network, almostbetter.net, where you can find all sorts of other really cool shows. Um, but that's going to do it for this week. Thanks again for joining us, Matt. And we will see you guys next time. See you. Bye. Bye-bye.